Thank you for joining us for Ask a Historian. I'm Matthew Wilkinson, historian with Heritage Mississauga. Please send in your questions and join us each week as we explore the stories of the city of Mississauga. Like, subscribe, and follow us and stay up to date on all the heritage happenings with Heritage Mississauga. Joining us this week is Gerth Pretty, director of the HMS Psyche Canadian Maritime Heritage Society, who the, the, we, we have a 1812 reenactment company that's focused on naval history in, in on Lake Ontario, right here in Mississauga with a boat harbored at uh, the Port Credit Yacht Club. Uh, and so, you know, here we are with, you know, touching on different parts of our stories and yet active within our, and within our community today is the, uh, the HMS Psyche uh, uh, Canadian Maritime Heritage Society. So thank you, Gert, for joining us to explore uh, probably what I'm going to guess that most of our guests don't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. Well, the major reason why is that the squadron of vessels during the War of 1812, the Royal Navy was out in the lake. Right. So unless you're on the water or in Kingston, you wouldn't have seen very much of the boats and of the vessels during the War of 1812. That's why I call the Royal Navy the Forgotten Squadron on Lake Ontario. So the uh, the the, uh, the vessel that you have uh, today is uh, is a, a replica longboat from a from the Royal Navy that would have been active right. on Lake Ontario and attached to uh, the HMS Psyche. Can you tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. the, the story of the original Psyche? Certainly. So the HMS Psyche, uh, she's a very unique craft, very unique vessel. She was a frigate. So she had three masts and up to 54 guns. And when we say guns, we don't mean pistols or rifles or muskets. She had cannons, uh, you know, probably firing up to 18 pound cannonballs. What makes her unique, and this is the reason why uh, myself and my co-director chose to bring the psyche to light of the, the public, is that she was prefabricated in England because the Royal Navy, the Admiralty in London believed that there was not enough seasoned lumber or enough skilled shipwrights and carpenters in the Kingston area. So, Large portions of her were built in England at shipyards there, transported on other vessels to Montreal, and then brought up on sleds during the winter of 1814 to Kingston, where there she was reassembled and finished and launched. But she was launched on December the 25th, 1814. For those of you who don't know that date, well, it's Christmas, it was the day after the treaty for the War of 1812 was signed in Ghent, Belgium. But it took at least three, if not four months for the news to finally make it all the way back to Quebec City, Montreal, and eventually to Kingston. So the vessel, the, the frigate was launched, but never commissioned. So that's an interesting aspect regarding the history of the vessel versus other ships. That, you know, she was built, but we don't believe she ever fired a shot in anger, nor ever have a commanding officer. Right. So, so she was awaiting a purpose uh, at, at the Correct. Uh, kind of needed, but obsolete at the same time in, in an odd world. Um, yep. So what, what, what happened to the psyche after the, after the war? What, do we know much about well, it? Well, she, she was left, she was left in ordinary in Kingston, which is where the Royal Navy shipyard was. And in ordinary means basically that 
her masks were removed, all of her lines or all of her ropes were removed and put into storage. And she was left uh, to, to left on the stocks uh, for a long time in storage. Then we believe she was sold to commercial interest, which then they didn't really care so much about her. And then she was scuttled or sunk somewhere in the Kingston area. And to this day, um, the researchers don't know exactly where her hull is. But so she's it, a mystery. It's absolutely, and, and, and nothing like a mystery to get your interest going a little bit. But uh, oh, yeah. the, uh, so this period of time when you know, the psyche comes around, uh, the original psyche comes around uh, at the end of the War of 1812, but for you know, two and a half years, Lake Ontario is a contested body of water. Uh, you mm -hmm. have the, the Provincial Marine and then the Royal Navy on the Canadian side of the border or the, the British side of the border uh, facing off. Uh, they raced in Kingston and then in Sackett's Harbor, you have the American squadron. Mm -hmm. um, and you have this stalemate, that, this chess game that goes on in Lake Ontario for kind of control of the, of, of the lake. You know, for those that don't know much about this period of time, uh, of, you know, large armed ships. We even had a ship of the line in the HMS St. Lawrence on, on Lake Ontario. Uh, 112 guns. 100, uh, it's it's more, hard to fathom. More guns in the victory. More guns than HMS victory. Yep. Hard to fathom. But yeah. can, can you give us a, just a, a sum up, if you will, on kind of this 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 ebb and flow of, of uh, a stalemate that, that plays out sure. on Lake Ontario? Well, it was realized by both the British and the Americans that they could not afford to lose control of Lake Ontario. So they realized that if you lost control of the lake, then you lose control of all the upper Great Lakes because that's the only way that supplies to get to Lake Erie, Lake Huron, Lake Superior, Lake Michigan, and to all the different forts, whether American or British. Even the Duke of Wellington said, no, you must control access to the lake. So what basically happened on Lake Ontario is it turned into a naval arms race. So the Americans would start building a larger vessel with more guns. Then the British would start building a bigger vessel with more guns. So it was just going back and forth until finally the British built the HMS St. Lawrence, uh, a first rate ship line with 112 guns. And then the Americans said, okay, we're staying in port until our next bigger ships are built. So when the war ended, Sackett's Harbor had two ships being built of, that would carry 120 guns. Those ships never were launched because of the end of the war. And actually one of them, the U.S. New Orleans, uh, she got the nickname of the U.S. Never Wet because she was on land until the late 1880s. And eventually her wood was sold to become pencils. So that, that was the whole scenario. It was like, okay, I'm going to build something bigger. Well, whoa, they built something bigger. We're staying in port because now this bigger ship is, and its supporting vessels are out on the lake on a patrol or chasing after enemy ships or raiding each other's supply depots. Well, we're going to wait until our next bigger vessel is built. Oh, okay. We just launched this bigger ship. Now it's our turn to go out. Oh, wait a minute. They got a bigger ship. We got to start building bigger. <laughs> so it went back and forth like that for about a year and a half to two years and mostly built out of green lumber because they couldn't 
they couldn't build, there was not enough uh, aged dried lumber in the area. So after the war, the ships, you know, they put them in ordinary, then they scuttled them because they were starting to rot and fall apart already. Right. So very short-lived uh, lifespans for the ships. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, one of the things cool. I find, there's a, a great book that I highly recommend, and that's the Robert Malcolmson's Lords of the Lake, a phenomenal read. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if there's others great that book. you'd recommend, but um, the one of the things I found, uh, you know, baffling to understand were, were, you know, the ships get get captured and then renamed. And, you know, what was the British mm -hmm. ship is now sailing with the Americans and then gets recaptured and yep. back with the British. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that was the whole goal by both squadrons is to try and capture each other's ships, uh, and sometimes it occurred, or capturing merchant vessels. Right. So that, well, you might have heard of, say, the Hamilton and the Scourge, which were two American schooners that sank close to Port, uh, Port Dalhousie uh, during a squall during the War of 1812. Well, they were former merchant ships that were turned into armed vessels. Well, one of them was actually a British vessel that had been captured at the beginning of the war. The Nelson. Yeah. And, and what was the, forgive me, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that. There's a, a, a great remembrance of that, uh, that storm, the life, life of a sailor. Uh, I can't remember the fellow's name, though. Ned Myers. Ned Myers. Yes, yes. Yep. Actually, uh, James Fenimore Cooper wrote a book about Ned Myers. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book. I think it's a, maybe Life Before the Mask. I think so, yes. And it's, it's all about Ned Myers' experiences uh, of sailing. Well, originally interesting, he, he was born in Montreal, uh, then became an American sailor for the U.S. Navy, and then he was one of the eight, I think, eight survivors of the squall that sank the Hamilton and the Scourge. Right. And to this day, those vessels are still on the bottom of Lake Ontario, protected by law. Uh, divers are not allowed to, uh, to visit the vessels or go enter them. Right. Because you know of the remains of the sailors that are still there. Their graves, yeah, yeah. The um, so uh, one of the fellows that uh, one of the people that most uh, I don't know we, we tend not to recognize him, I guess, but played a pivotal role in the control of Lake Ontario from the British side on you know in terms of Canadian interests is uh, Sir James Yeo. Um, you know, why is it that we've kind of forgotten this character, this this person? where, you know, somebody like uh, uh, Sir Isaac Brock is somebody who is uh, elevated, certainly, in our, our consciousness mm -hmm. of, of, of his deeds. Well, the major reason he's not as well known is that he did not die uh, here in Canada or in British North America during the War of 1812. Uh, he actually died just after the war, I believe, from yellow fever off the coast of Africa. Secondly, most of the naval engagements and naval actions on Lake Ontario, well, they're far from land. Right. So no one saw them, really. Uh, and, you know, there was no major battle on Lake Ontario. There again, as I mentioned, there are more of the squadrons patrolling. On occasions, they saw each other, saw each other's squadrons, they would chase each other, always trying to get the best sailing conditions like oh sorry there's no wind all right we're gonna head back into port or uh the, the bad weather they just couldn't get close enough yes. or if they didn't have numerical advantage uh then the, the two different 
Commodores, uh, Sir, uh, Isaac Chauncey or Sir James Lucas Yeo would decide, nope, it's not in my favor because if I suddenly attack now, I might lose, or my ships might get captured by the Americans or the American ships getting captured by the British and they lose control. So he's not well known at all. Uh, yeah, you know, again, it's all about Sir Isaac Brock and uh, Chief Tecumseh and as well as Laura Secord are probably the best known uh, characters during the War of 1812. Yeah, uh, I, I always, in back of my head, I've always remembered it was more important not to lose than it was to win, right? That's the, uh, uh, you know. Well, if, if the Royal Navy had lost its, uh, its squadron on Lake Ontario, then I think we'd be part of New York now. Yeah, I, I, I think there's enough to support that and saying that's a real uh, a real thing that, that may have happened. It might have opened the gateway mm -hmm. to American incursion on, on the, the eastern end of the lake. And, and that is the reason why uh, York, or what is now Toronto, was attacked by the Americans, because they were able to bring their soldiers on board the vessels to attack Fort York. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, the, the British squadron was down in Kingston. You know, that's the whole thing. There was one engagement that the residents of uh, the North Shore of Lake Ontario around, say, what current Mississauga and Oakville would have seen, which were known as the Burlington Races, where the two squadrons did chase each other all the way down to Burlington Bay. Right, but uh, but to to you know to a stalemate end as well, right? Like this is the both withdraw, yep. yeah. So it, it's just a fascinating time. So let's let's jump into into today and and uh, uh, the creation of the HMS Psyche Canadian Heritage Marine mm -hmm. uh, 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 Organization that you're part of. How well, we founded ourselves in 19, not 1917, <laughs> sorry, in 2017, 2017? Uh, when we had the, myself and my co-founder and uh, a third gentleman, we had the opportunity of buying a replica of a Royal Navy longboat from another Royal Navy reenactor. That really was the, the drive impetus for us to establish a Royal Navy uh, reenactment group here in Mississauga, Toronto area, because there, there wasn't one. No. You know, quite surprising, there was no naval reenactment group in the greater Toronto, Mississauga area. And so we did all the paperwork and became a not-for-profit corporation with revenue, with Corporation Canada. We bought the boat. We uh, established a relationship with Port Credit Yacht Club where we're able to store the boat there as well as launch the boat. Uh, and we participate at various different reenactment events in the uh, in Ontario, also definitely in Mississauga at uh, at Bradley House Museum. We're yeah. looking forward to participating again there in the oh, near future. So. Yeah. And then we we train uh, regularly on the boat with anyone who's interested in learning how to sail aboard a traditional small craft, because. If anyone's ever sailed before, well, they're looking for the, the winches and they're looking for the, the, the cleats. Well, we have belaying pins. And basically we tie the, the lines to the belaying pins that goes to the block, that goes to the yard. And, and also we learn how to row uh, with the 14 to 16 foot long oars. Uh, and then we very much stress the importance of crew and boat safety. Uh, we practice man overboard drill on a regular basis, um, you know, and we are always very careful of the weather conditions. Because Mother Nature can turn really fast 
and to come from a friend to a bitter enemy. I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm familiar with, say, a local militia unit that does land-based activities. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine the amount of uh, preparation there must be for water-based reenactments. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we have to make sure that the, the craft is in good working order, that all the uh, crew is trained, and that we all have our safety equipment, as well as the boat safety equipment, so that we're uh, Coast Guard compliant, which we are. But it's so a lot of fun. Never stop learning. So tell me about the boat itself. Like if someone is, is looking to engage, like uh, but this is a long boat that would have been attached to a, uh, a, 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 a vessel. Uh, a larger, a larger vessel. vessel. That's right. Whether it be a brig, a frigate, or even a ship, first rate ship of the line. These were the boats used to ferry crew uh, supplies from the mainland to the vessels. Also for during the war would have been used for uh, used for attacking other ships if they were tied up to a dock. It's known as a cutting out expedition or even for transporting uh, either Royal Navy sailors, Royal Marines or um, infantry to attack forts. And that's what happened say at Sackets Harbor and even Fort Ontario in Oswego. New York. So these boats were used for many different purposes, as well as for the everyday workings of the vessel. Right. So it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. It's, she's 22 feet long, six and a half foot wide. Uh, prior to the yellow flag being flown, which means there's a pandemic, we would have up to nine people on board. Right. Um, and then we also even have a small little brass swivel gun at the bow, which could be used for attacking other small craft or also as a signal gun. Right. And this is a, like, I, I know you've, you've had it out to the engagement of Bradley a couple of times mm -hmm. uh, yep. and you've, you've participated at other events. Like you participate not only on land where people can come see the boat, but you're on the water most of the time, I would imagine. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We have our annual event, our commemoration for the Hamilton and the Scourge, where we uh, depart from Port Dalhousie, sail out into the lake, lay a wreath made out of rope and, uh, and then fire a gun in tribute. Wow, that's wonderful. So how can people find out more about uh, HMS Psyche and- uh, Well, you can, they can visit our website, HMS Psyche, that's P-S-Y-C-H-E dot C-A. And also we have a fantastic Facebook group page called HMS Psyche Canadian Maritime Heritage Society. So you can you join, the, join the Facebook group page. And then if you're really keen, you can actually join us uh, for a free learning sale. And if you really enjoy it, you can join the crew just to sail or eventually decide to become a naval reenactor. <laughs> and we're open to anyone over the age of 16. Uh, that, that's incredible that you do this. And uh, from, from the reenactment world, I mean, you, you, you bridge two worlds here. You're, you're, you're part of a, 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 an organization that has a, a, a wider mandate, but what do you do in the reenactment world? Well, in the reenactment world, when we're on land, I'm the ship's cook. So I cook period recipes of either salt beef, salt pork, ship's biscuits, uh, oatmeal, dried peas. And on occasion, when I can find it, get some fresh supplies. And then on board the boat, I'm the gun captain, firing the gun with my powder monkey. And also I'm the captain of the foremast. So I'm the responsible for that mass and its sails. Okay. And how long? Make sure everyone's having fun. How long have you been doing the, the reenactment part? Uh, from the naval perspective, 
uh, on a full-time, well, as full-time volunteer basis as possible since 2016, 2017. Okay. But I started way back in the, uh, in the 90s, uh, serving both in militia groups as well as learning to sail aboard the HMSB out of Penetanguishene. So okay. there are different naval historic sites around the province, just that they're not well known. Right. And for anyone looking for, to experience some of the, 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 the larger tall ships, I highly recommend Discovery Harbor up in Pen mm -hmm. Penetanguishene. Yeah, but uh, you know, right here at home, check out uh, the uh, the HMS Psyche uh, uh, Canadian Heritage. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing Canadian Maritime Canadian Maritime Heritage, Heritage Society. Society. Yes, at uh, www.hmspsyche.ca, and uh, you know, check out the uh, what they do. Go to the Facebook page; they got some wonderful pictures up. And uh, uh, if you're interested, uh, uh, take a stroll on down to the Port Credit Yacht Club and uh, and connect with the Psyche and uh, and uh, and with Girth and his crew, and, and come uh, aboard. And we might let, and we might if we impress you, we might keep you. There we go. <laughs> I like I like the analogy. Yeah, <laughs> impressment might be optional. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, Girth, thank you so much for exploring this with us. I, I wish you My all pleasure. the best with the psyche, and you know, fingers crossed, twenty twenty two, we all get to see each other out there and uh, and participate in some of the the uh, the eighteen twelve events again. We'll have our, we're hoping here. It's it's been a long run with during COVID, of course, and. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, crossing my fingers, crossing my arm, everything we can do. We've got some rope there too. We can tie some knots. And, <laughs> but um, uh, for those of you watching us, thank you for joining us for another episode of Ask a Historian. Thank you to uh, Girth Pretty of, uh, of the uh, uh, HMS Psyche Canadian Maritime Heritage Society. Again, visit them at hmspsyche.ca and of course their Facebook page as well to explore the stories of uh, the HMS Psyche. And also, uh, Girth, I forgot to mention that you are the organizer of the HMS Pickle Battle of Trafalgar commemorative <laughs> dinner as well. Correct. Yeah. Um, and uh, by all means, check out that and support that every year uh, and uh, a highly... Uh, a growing event, but a, a highly symbolic one here in, uh, in, in, in our local realms. And uh, I just, again, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for joining us with Ask a Historian. Don't forget to like and subscribe and stay up to date on all the heritage happenings with Heritage Mississauga. And we'll see you in next week's episode.